plot. So yeah, you can be praying for Adam and I. We leave on the U-Haul tomorrow around 12, 1, 2 o'clock when I can get a babysitter. And we'll be gone. We, we map-quested it. It said we have about a 39-hour drive, and that's uh, in good condition. So that's a long time to be together. We've already joked that either at the end of that we'll be hugging and crying and, and, and um, you know, all those types of things. Or, <laughs> good luck, buddy. <laughs> I never want to see you again. So anyways, um, a lot of mixed emotions with it all, but uh, it's an exciting day. Today we're in the second week of a three-part message entitled Fear Not. If you missed last week, what we're doing is we're looking at three different scenes from the story of Jesus' birth. In each of these three gospel stories, we see an angel, and the angel appears to different peoples. And every time that somebody sees an angel, the angel always says, help me out. Right, fear not. Last week we saw an angel appear to Mary, and we let that story help us overcome the fear of what God is asking us to do. Pastor Adam, uh, he talked about this idea of obedience and saying yes to God. Next weekend we're going to look at uh, the idea of the angels looking at the shepherds, and the angel says, fear not. Today a Savior has been born unto you in the town of Bethlehem. But today, if you have your Bibles with you or your Bible app or Kindle or whatever you got, open it up to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew is the beginning of the New Testament. And we're going to start right at the very beginning, chapter 1. We're going to see an angel appear to Joseph. And from the story of Joseph, I'm going to talk about something that many of us struggle with. I'd say almost all of us struggle with, which is how others think about us. And the question I want to answer, it's going to be a simple question question to answer. How do we overcome our fear of what people think about us? If I was to have you give me a show of hands of how many of you care a lot about what people think about you, most of you would raise your hands. And many of you who would not raise your hands would actually not raise your hands because you care what others think about you, right? The reality is that one level or another, all of us are kind of concerned about the opinions of others. Even when someone puts on Facebook, I don't care what all you think. You put that on there because you actually kind of do care what other people think. And, and we have these ideas like, do you care about the car I drive? Do you like the clothes I wear? Do you like my hairstyle? Do you think I'm funny? Do you think I fit in? Do you like my Christmas decorations? Do you like my dog? Do you like the selfie of me in front of my Christmas decorations with my dog, right? We just have these concerns. We're obsessed with what people think about us. And in this week's story, we're going to watch Joseph. And Joseph, he has this battle with the opinions of people. He's going to have to decide. There's just this big decision. Is he going to do what is easy or is he going to do what is right? He has to decide between what people would want to think about him and what God would want to think about him. What people would want him to do, what God would want him to do. And so let me give you the context, and then after that we're going to dive in. So Joseph, as Pastor Adam talked about last week, he is engaged to be married to a young teenage virgin girl named Mary. And in this time of history, engagements, they were a little different than engagements are today. Today, if you get engaged and things kind of go psycho, what do you do? You just break off the engagement. Praise the Lord, I don't have to marry that girl. Or praise the Lord, I don't have to marry that guy. 
Back in the day, an engagement was kind of a different thing. It was an actual binding agreement. You would be engaged for about a year, maybe a little bit longer than a year. You know why that engagement was so long? To make sure that, you know, she was loyal and faithful to the person she's engaged to. Because if she's not, you're going to see it, right? And the only way to get out of an engagement during this time is to get divorced or to die. And the engagement was so serious, if one of the two, serious, that one of if one of the two people actually died, the person that was left was called or labeled a widow or a widower. So this engagement, it's a big deal. It's a little different than today. And with that in mind, let's pick up the story. Matthew chapter 1, if you're following along, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, she was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And... <laughs> Adam kind of dressed this last week. I think about this all the time. I mean, can you imagine what that conversation must have been like when Mary sat down? Joseph, Joey, honey bunches, snookum, pumpkin. I, I got something to tell you. So, so I'm pregnant. But don't worry. See, it's like all good because the Holy Spirit did it. So we're, we're good. And if I was Joseph, I'd be like, what are you talking about? How long did it take for you to make up that kind of story? If Mary had come to me speaking stuff like that, I would be like, you are either crazy girl or you are a liar. Right? If that chick came to me and said something like that, I would say, I will not be marrying someone that is crazy or a liar. She says, I'm pregnant. The Holy Spirit did it. And I would just be like, are you kidding me? Let's be honest. If anybody came to me with that kind of story... I would be like, are you kidding me? So now he's, I mean, think about it. I mean, Joe, the things that he must be processing, like, what do I do? This girl has lost it. And if I stay with this girl, people are going to be talking. Do you know that people would be talking back in the day? They would be like, I mean, just think about Joe. Like, what are they going to think about us? And then take it personal. What are they going to think about me? Because Mary, she's already marked, right? She's pregnant. She's going to have the belly, all those kinds of things. This is a sin. During that time to be pregnant out of wedlock, this is punishable by death. They could stone her for this. But Joseph, he has an opportunity, doesn't he? He has an opportunity to bail on this whole thing. And so he's thinking about it, and he comes to the conclusion that, you know what? It's probably best if we just part ways and we move down our separate roads. Sometimes we forget this part of the story. But if you read your Bible, this is actually what he does. In verse 19, we see this uh, unfolding. He says, but because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to do what? He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he's jumping out of the relationship. A lot of commentaries say that divorcing her quietly was actually a very noble and honoring thing to do. Because what he's thinking here is, you know, I don't want to expose her to public shame. I'm not going to be declaring to everybody, hey, you know, she cheated on me, stoned her to death. You know, he actually loves her. He cares about her. And he's thinking, you know, maybe she can go have her baby somewhere else. Maybe she can hopefully start over. I'll start over. We can move our separate ways. So that's kind of what is, what is in his mind. But at this point, he's about to learn. And if you're taking notes, you want to take notes on this. He's about to learn one of the most important life lessons for any of us who want to honor God. Are you ready for it? It's this. This is big. This is huge. He's going to learn that pleasing God often means disappointing people. He's going to learn the powerful truth that if you want to obey God, there's going to be many times when other people will not agree. They will not understand. 
Pleasing God often means disappointing people. Here's how it goes down, verse 20 and 21. But after Joseph had considered this, in other words, he's thinking through this, right? He's putting down the list. Here's the pros, here's the cons, and the cons of staying with her are outweighing the pros, so I'm going to break up with her and move on. So after he has considered all of this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, fear not. Fear not. It comes from the King James Version. My version says, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In verse 21, it is so powerful. Verse 21 says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will what? Let's say it all together. Because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph, you're going to give him the name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. And then he awakes, right? He awakes from the dream. And you've got to imagine the pendulum swing now in Joseph's mind. He's awoken from the stream. And he's like, my gosh, for centuries upon centuries, my people have been having these prophecies come to them that the Messiah would come. And here an angel of the Lord has told me that I get to play a part in the greatest event of history. Wow, right? This is a game changer. And at the same time, his emotions must have swung to the complete opposite side, saying, oh my gosh, what are people going to say about me? What is this going to cost me? On one hand, I possibly get to change the world. On the other hand, I have no idea how difficult this is going to be everybody around me is going to tell me run for your life joseph do not marry this girl who sinned and should be put to death by stoning but on the other hand i have an opportunity to please god should i do what people want or should i do what god wants should i disappoint people or should i disappoint god you see this it's this opportunity that he has this decision he has to make and i promise you as a follower of jesus at different points in your life, you're going to be confronted with these types of decisions. To either obey God or to do something easier that's going to win the approval of people. Has that ever happened to any of you in this room before? Absolutely. Every one of us. As the senior pastor of Life Spring Church, I am in this place all the time. As a part of my job, I get to make a lot of decisions. And I am here to tell you, I have yet to make a decision that everybody likes. My batting average is .000. It hasn't happened. Recently I read this, uh, read this quote and I just love it. It says, leadership is disappointing people at a rate that they can absorb. You want to be a leader? You just get to disappoint people. But make sure you do it. Have the skill to disappoint them slowly at a rate that they can absorb. If you truly want to be obedient to God, there's a good chance you're going to disappoint some of the people around you. So in this encounter with the angel Joseph, he's going to learn a couple of very important principles in regards to what I'm talking about. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to write these down. First thing, this is huge. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. This is so good. It is so true. This is the road I have traveled on far too often. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. And the reality, for most of us, we drift 
towards wanting to please people, right? What do you think of me? Do you like me? Do you not like me? Do I fit in? Do I measure up? Am I cool enough? I, I struggled with this when I became a youth pastor. Like, oh my goodness, right? It's intense. Do they like me? Do they, can I be a part of your club, right? Can we be friends? Do you think I'm doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? We have all these questions and, and ideas that come into our minds. And suddenly, think about this, suddenly, without even meaning to, without in, being intentional about it, we surrender our lives to the opinions of people. We surrender our lives to the opinions of people at the expense of actually living to please God. And this is huge. We surrender our lives, our one and only life on this earth, to what others think about us instead of actually living a life to please God. We get off track. We've all done it. We get off track. We get obsessed with what people think about us. And it's the quickest way to forget what God thinks about us. And that's true. It just is. But here's the good news. The flip side of it is true as well. Write this down. Becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget what people think about you. Living for an audience of one, right? God, I want to please you with all I do. I'm a one-trick pony. All my eggs are in one basket. I am living for you. Living this way, it is the quickest, the best, and perhaps the only way to truly live a life past, the, uh, past just the approval of others. Becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you. And here's the bottom line. When you really begin to think about it, you can't please everyone. If you've tried, you you can't, right? You just can't. You're going to fail people at some some point in your life. If if you wear your hair a certain way, right? And everyone's like, hey, I love that hairstyle. That's great. Well, guess what? Somebody else isn't going to like that hairstyle. Somebody might even say, you know what? That's ugly and it makes you look fat. Or maybe you're in a situation, you're like, man, I really like this music. You're like, you like that music too? Like, I'm emo, you're emo, sweet. Well, guess what? There's going to be a whole other section that is going to hate the music that you're listening to. Or take it into the, you know, political world. Like, you're Republican, I'm Republican. Yeah, we're Republicans. Guess what? You got like 50% of the nation hating on you. So you're like, oh, now I'm a Democrat. Yeah, we're Democrats. Now guess what? You got 50% of the nation hating on you and hating on you. So you're like, okay, I'm just going to be in the middle. Guess what? When you're in the middle, they all hate you. See, whatever the case is, if you try to please one group, you're going to displease somebody else. And the bottom line is, no matter how hard you try, you cannot please everyone. But the good news is, and this is good news this morning, you can please God. You can please God. You can live a life where God looks at you and he says, you did good. You did the right thing. You brought glory to my name. Well done, good and faithful servant. But how do we overcome living for what everyone else thinks? Well, we've got to surrender our lives to living for an audience of one. Because becoming obsessed with what God truly thinks about us, it's the quickest way to become set free from what people think about us. And here's Joseph, and he's going to have to get to a place in his life where he says, you know what? I value the opinion of God over the opinion of people. And I believe that this morning, God wants all of us to get to that place. And to help us get there today, I I have two big thoughts for us. Hopefully these are thoughts that you can take away from this uh, morning and you can also just apply, apply, apply in your life. I put it under the subtitle of this. How do we live for God instead of for people? I'm going to give you two thoughts. First one was this. If you're taking notes, again, write this down. This is going to speak to many of you this morning. It's so important because, again, living for God, not everybody's going to like it. Pleasing God often means you're going to be disappointing people. So number one. If you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. If you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, 
you're not ready to be used by God. Think about all the different ways that Mary and Joseph would be criticized. I mean, publicly disgraced again and again. People would whisper, hey, hey, you know, you know that God really gives his baby, right? Or, hey, hey, you know, they say that it was by the Holy Spirit, but I saw Joseph's donkey parked outside her apartment at 2 a.m., and you know they weren't doing a Bible study at 2 a.m. in the morning. Right? They, people are talking. This is huge public disgrace. I don't know how this would play out, play out in your life, but there's going to be a time. There's going to be a time when you're reading God's Word, and God's Word is going to tell you something that is just going to be culturally unpopular. Has that ever happened to you? Right? And you know if you obey... You're going to be criticized. Or maybe you hear the voice of God, His Holy Spirit, and you're, and, and you're called to obey, but you know if you obey, you're going to be criticized. Maybe you're a teenager here or a, te- a college student, and you're breaking free from that party lifestyle, and you say, you know what? I'm going to serve Christ. I'm not going to get drunk anymore. I'm not going to do drugs anymore. And all your party friends are going to be like, what are you doing, you religious freak? Or maybe you're going to say, you know, no matter what, no matter what I've done in the past, from now on, I'm going to honor God in sexual purity. I'm not going to sleep with, or I'm not going to live with my girlfriend or my boyfriend. And people are going to be like, you're what? I mean, how lame are you? Do you not know what year we live in? Do you not know how fun the horizontal mamba is to do? And yet instead, you are going to be a prude and you're going to do this? You crazy, religious, loser, freak. People are going to make fun of you. Or maybe like my friends, Jason Dre, or Duncan, or Hope. And you know what? They say, you know what? The rest of you, you are going to Mexico for a vacation, but I feel called to go to Mexico on a mission trip, and I'm going to help the poor. And people are going to say, why would you be spending your money and your time to do something stupid like that? They are going to make fun of you. Or maybe you're in a place where you're actually leaving a high-paying job to go to a lower-paying job because you feel like God is actually calling you to do something with your life that you would actually contribute to society. And you feel like that you can make a difference at this job, even though the pay isn't as high. Many of you have done this. In fact, Think about Angela Moen. She just went off to Reno, Nevada, a lot, a, really along this line, to just serve God, to obey God. And everybody around saying, why would you do that? I mean, isn't life all about money anyways? You are stupid. You are an idiot. Or maybe you're living beneath your means, and you stay in that profitable job where you're making a lot, but you're going to live on less, right? Come on, this is where it gets exciting. You're going to live on less, and you can actually make a difference. You're going to give sacrificially, generously, radically give to make a difference in this world. And again, some of you are in this church who are doing this, but people around you are going to be saying, why don't you just spend it on yourself? Why don't you just travel here or travel there? I mean, think of all the things you could do. You're going to say, no, I'm doing this because God has called me to do this. I remember one time, it's about one of you, I was meeting with you and I was so intimidated. I didn't know you real well. And I just was intimidated, and you wanted to meet at Starbucks, and normally when people want to meet at Starbucks, it's not a good thing, right? So I'm, I'm kind of stressing, and I look at our bank account. I've told this story before, and it is in the red. I mean, I am overdrawn. We have no money, and I'm freaking out because I'm about to have this meeting. Mary's out there, you know, enjoying life, and so I'm trying to get her, you know, I'm like, do not use the debit card, explanation point, explanation point. Well, guess what? I didn't have no signal. So now I'm up on the chair and I'm waving in a figure eight. I don't know why I'm doing a figure eight, but I felt like I read that somewhere that if you did the figure eight, you got better signal. So I'm waving it. The guy comes in. I sit down. He sits down and he hands me an envelope and he says, the Lord told me to give this to you. And he hands me an envelope with 10 $100 bills in it. It was amazing. He did something, by the way, that does not make sense to this world. You fool. Pastor Dan didn't deserve that. Pastor Dan didn't earn that money. 
See, the church, church, the world is going to mock you. They're going to make fun of you for your obedience to God. But if you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you are not ready to be used by God. For anyone who steps up in leadership at this church, this is the truth that you just get to embrace. The more you do, the more pain you're going to experience. If you want to make a difference in this world, you will endure more pain than those who don't. If you want to live a life where nobody criticizes you, let me tell you what to do. Do nothing and stand for nothing. But for me, Daniel Allen Burst, I choose the bullets. Go ahead and shoot. I would rather be shot at. I would rather do something significant than do nothing at all. Everything significant that I've done in my personal life or that we have done collectively as a church, it has been met with resistance and criticism. Oh, the joy of resistance and criticism. But everything that we have done that has been significant has been met with spiritual resistance and criticism. In my personal life, when I decided not to go to med school and instead become a pastor, I'm telling you, I caused quite a ruckus. Here I am, so excited to follow God's call in my life. He wants me to be a minister. I thought everyone would be jumping up and down, cheering, rooting me on. Instead, I was met with resistance. It was unbelievable. I had some of my closest friends pulling me aside, telling me, Dan, you are wasting your life. Dan, you are wasting your smarts, your intelligence, your brain. Dan, do not do it. Five and a half years later, 2009, Mary and I, after pastoring in Spokane, we felt the Lord calling us to leave our two full-time paying jobs in Spokane. And we left those jobs, just like Pastor Adam did, without anything lined up for us. Nothing. We didn't quit. This is important. We didn't quit because we saw a bigger and higher paying job out there that we could grab. But we knew that God was calling us to something different without even knowing what the future would hold. No income, no job, no set future in in front of us. By the way, no vision other than radically obeying God. My colleague, one of my pastor colleagues in Spokane, he pulls me aside in the kitchen at Life Center North. And he says, Pastor Dan, or he didn't say Pastor Dan, he goes, Dan, you are being irresponsible. Don't you know that you have a family to lead? Don't you know you have a family to take care of? Don't you know you have a family to provide for? You cannot quit. And I told him in that kitchen, I am leading my family. I am teaching them that no matter what, nothing matters compared to radically obeying the will of God, even when it doesn't make sense. And even when people like you do not understand. Also makes me think about being obedient to the Lord and going back to school, getting my master's. That was not a real popular decision for many of you that are close to my life. The normal look that I got was kind of like, are you nuts? You are a full-time parent. You are a full-time senior pastor, and now you're going to be a full-time student. But as Mary and I talked about it for over a year, we realized that I had to do it. Not because it made sense, not because people thought it was a good idea, but because God was calling me to do it. i got to be honest, God would not stop bugging me about it. He went from the Holy Spirit to the Holy Ghost. He was haunting me every day about it. And yet, here's the deal, by getting a master's, it doesn't get me a promotion. It's not like I can be like the senior, senior pastor, and it doesn't get me a raise. There's nothing in the book that says I get to make more money when I have my master's. It's not the the pay scale system of the education system. And yet here I am saying I'm going to go back to school. And I got to be honest, going back to school, it wasn't 
even about a result, right? A, a destiny, an outcome, a, a, a kind of, uh, what, what did it say? Like a degree, right? I, I honestly, I don't even know what to tell you. I honestly did not do it because of those reasons. I don't even know what the future holds. Maybe I'll have to drop out. I don't know. Or maybe I'll continue and I'll get my doctorate. I don't know. But is that my concern? No, it's not my concern. And everybody thinking it's a good idea or not a good idea, that is not my concern. My concern is being radically obedient to God, what God is telling me and speaking to me today and asking me to do today and trusting that he will supernaturally bless my obedience today. And I believe that he has. And church, I'm just here to tell you anything significant that you do will be met with criticism and resistance. And if you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you are not ready to be used by God. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. But becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you, it is the quickest way to forget what people think about you. Number one thought, if you're not ready to get shot at, you're not ready to be used by God. Thought number two, I've shared this before, but I love it. It's going to set some of you free because I believe this is found in the Bible again and again. Extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. I just believe that to be true. Extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. Think about this. The Savior of the world. He was born when two teenage kids said yes to God in a simple act of obedience. What's crazy is this. Try to get into the mind of Mary and Joseph. What did the angels say? The angels said this. Pretty much they said, you're going to have a boy, you're going to name him Jesus, and he's going to save the people. That's it. There's no details, right? No details. I mean, I'd be like, well, how are we going to raise him, right? How are we going to dis- discipline him? I mean, are, are we going to spank him? Are we going to put him in timeout? I mean, we're dealing with the son of God here, right? He's perfect. I mean, maybe he'll spank us. Maybe he'll put us in timeout, right? <laughs> but there's no details on how this thing is going to go. This is crazy. And I think we all have these times where we're like, God, just show me the details. And God's like, you can't handle the details. If I showed you everything, you wouldn't take that first step. I'm calling you to obedience for what I'm calling you today in this moment. So they don't know the details. And this is important. Often we don't know all the details, but we don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. See, we don't have to have the whole picture to, that, to place that first puzzle piece and put it in its place to trust God. With the rest. Because, see, going back to what Pastor Adam preached last week, I love it. The outcome of our lives, whose responsibility is that? Okay. What is our responsibility? Obedience. That's right. Outcome is God's responsibility. I love how he said that. And obedience is ours. Extraordinary acts of God. They start with ordinary acts of obedience. And this is encouraging to me, right? Because we have no idea what... We might set into motion with that one simple obedient act towards God. You have no idea what you might set into motion when you simply obey what God has put on your heart. It's kind of how I feel right now with my masters, if I'm honest with you. I, I don't know what's going to happen with it. I don't have it all figured out. I have no idea, really, what I might set into motion by obeying what God has called me to do. I've shared this story before, but I was a pre-med biology major at the University of Wyoming. I was a student leader at InterVarsity Campus Fellowship on campus. And we had a missionary come in on a Friday night, talk about the 1040 window, if you've heard about that, a region that is resistant to the gospel. And in that meeting, I felt the call to be a missionary somewhere in that region where I was going to practice medicine. 
I take my parents that Christmas break. I flew home, took them out to Bahama Breeze. I told them that that's what I want to do. They said, okay, we'll support you. So I sign up for a year-long perspectives course down in Los Angeles to learn about other religions. I get denied because I was going to miss some class due to some concerts I was committed to play for in Renton. I'm discouraged. I'm kind of down. My brother talks to Foursquare. They have two pastors from Spokane who call me, and they heard that I was interested in doing an internship with them, which I wasn't interested in doing an internship. My brother just told them that. And then I end up going to Spokane for an internship. My fiance calls off the wedding because she did not want to marry a minister. I become a pastor, meet my wife. Ten years later, I'm here as a senior pastor in Edgewood, Washington. Crazy. But all of that, I'm thinking, mm. but all of that started with a guy. I don't even know his name. A guy who came and spoke to about 20 to 30 college students on a cold, dark Friday night. We started at 9 p.m. We were way in the back of our union, student union building. No one there. And he comes in. I, don't, I think he was from Colorado, to be honest. He came in and gives this message. And a simple act of obedience had a chain reaction that ultimately would bring glory to God. And we all have stories like that. When I, and when people ask me about my life and how I've gotten to do some of the things I've done, you know, more than anything, this is why I tell them. Because I said yes. Because I said yes to God. Without knowing what the future would hold, I said yes to God. And I've actually gotten really good at just saying yes to God in small, ordinary acts of obedience. And through those ordinary acts of obedience, God has done extraordinary things through my willingness to obey Him. And every one of us has that opportunity, right? It's not just a Pastor Dan thing. There's nothing special about me. We're all the same in this. God is speaking to all of us. The call of obedience is on all of us. To make it as tangible as I can, I, I want you to think about it this way. There's a good chance that God is going to place someone on your heart that you should invite to next week's service. Or someone on your heart that you should invite to our Christmas Eve service. And here's the deal. You think just inviting them to church, it's not that big of a deal. But see, here's the deal. You have no idea how their family might be radically changed. You have no idea, this gets you goosebumps, how generations upon generations upon generations might be changed from that one single act of obedience to what God has put on your heart. When you feel prompted to serve at this church or to serve other areas in our community, you have no idea who you might impact, whose life might be different, even how their life might come back, if you've ever had this happen, come back to bless you, right? And how your life will be changed when you do something for somebody else. Some of you, maybe it's you begin to start to tithe while others close off their hearts during Pastor Mike's message on tithing. You actually opened yours up and you took that step of faith and obedience. And one day you're going to look back and you go, I cannot believe what God did in our lives, in our marriage, in our relationship, in our family, in our finances when I took that single act of obedience. Some of you, maybe it's to foster or to adopt. And you're like, man, I don't know all the details. And I don't know how this or how we're going to do this or where the money's going to come from, where they're going to come from. And you know you're stepping out and and you understand that stepping out is going to cause some discomfort and some pain in your life. But you don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. And you take the next step. And years later, you're going to be like, oh, my goodness, can you not believe how this ended up changing our lives? Maybe you're a single guy here this morning and you see a single girl here today. And God's going to prompt you to get up off your single hiney, sell your Xbox, move out of your mom's basement, and iron a shirt, brush your teeth, ask her out. And one day you're going to have a son named Dan all because of today's message. <laughs> You have no idea what a single act of obedience can set in the motion when you obey God's 
plans for your life. Extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. So the angel speaks to Joseph. Fear not. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what is in her was conceived of the Holy Spirit. You will give birth to a son. You will call him Jesus. Because he will save people from their sins. Now he's got a choice to make. What does he do? Does he do what's easy? Or does he do what's right? Does he do what people want him to do? Or does he do what God would want him to do? Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. But becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to let go of what people think about you. So in one little verse, we see the direction that he decides to go. Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. It's amazing, church. Through that one simple act of obedience, the greatest act of God in human history was brought to fulfillment. You have no idea what you set in motion with a single act of obedience to God. So when God speaks to you, I get it. You wrestle with it. You struggle with it. Right? Should I do what's easy? Should I do what's right? Should I do what people would think is a good idea? Or should I do what God would think is a good idea? And I, I just pray that there might be a one sentence, one destiny-altering sentence that you would use to describe your decision in that moment. That you did what the Lord commanded you to do. That you did what the Holy Spirit prompted you to do. I promise you, you have no idea what a single act of obedience can set into motion when you obey what our good God puts in your heart. Let's pray. Father, I ask today by the power of your Holy Spirit that you'd speak to us. That we would be sensitive, even in this moment, Lord, sensitive to what you would have to say to us sensitive to what you speak to us in your word and what you speak to us by your Holy Spirit. That we would follow you. That we would answer the call on our lives. That we would be obedient, trusting you with the outcome, but being faithful with our obedience. As we pray to this morning, church, I want you to take a moment. Because there's some of you that you just recognize as I recognize. It's a battle that I battle, not just in the back of my mind, but in the forefront of my mind. The battle of what are they going to think about me? Am I going to fit in? Do I measure up? Are they going to like me? If I do this, what are people going to think? And I want with all my heart to overcome this fear this morning of what people would think of me because becoming obsessed with God is much more on my heart this morning than what He thinks and what others might think. And there are those of you this morning, I just know it, who are recognizing I'm often much more too concerned with what people think than what God thinks. And today I want to be totally and utterly transformed. I want to be different. I want to align myself with the heart of God. I want to be obsessed with His will, His purposes, His kingdom, His plan, His goodness, His direction. I want to live for Him even above the opinions of others. If that's you, just raise your hand. Our hands raised. Absolutely. Almost 
divine plans for this world. 